Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Stevens Incorporated, an independent financial services firm with the freedom to focus on what matters most. Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Shap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Shap. Glad you are with us. The United States Open Championship, the 122nd playing, won by Matt Fitzpatrick of England. He shot a 68-70-68-68 for a final score 274 to win by one shot over Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris had a birdie putt on 18 to tie Matt Fitzpatrick and send it to a playoff. He was unable to drop that putt. Matt Fitzpatrick also won the 2013 U.S. Amateur that was played at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, so you know he had to feel comfortable on the course. Matt Fitzpatrick pockets $3,150,000 for his first place finish in the U.S. Open this year, the largest payout to a champion ever in the U.S. Open. Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, they both pocket $1,557,687 for their tied for second. Hideki Matsuyama finished fourth. Colin Morikawa and Roy McIlroy finished tied for fifth. It was a great U.S. Open played at the Country Club in Brookline. Here is the champion, Matt Fitzpatrick, with his opening comments. Unbelievable, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's just uh, the feelings out of this world. It's um, it's so cliche, but it's stuff you dream of as a kid. And uh, yeah, to achieve it, uh, I can retire a happy man tomorrow. So, obviously, the fact that Matt Fitzpatrick won the 2013 U.S. Amateur at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. There were a lot of expectations on him going into the U.S. Open this past week. I think there were expectations, but I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel them. Uh, in my opinion, um, you know, the, the field's such a such a strong field, so many great golfers playing. Um, but I think for me, obviously, the expectations were me, for me to play well. But I feel like having won the U.S. Amateur here as well, I just felt so comfortable around this place. Uh, nowhere to hit it, nowhere to miss it. Um, and, um, yeah, just happy to be uh, unbeaten around this place. Well, he is unbeaten around the country club there in Brookline. And a reporter asked if he believed in destiny this past week at the U.S. Open. Uh, yes and no. Um, well, actually, no, I'd say yes. Um, Billy, Billy had been saying for a while, you know, it, the time will come. It, you know, you, you're playing so well. Just just keep doing what you're doing. It'll come. It'll happen. It'll happen. Um I put myself in position after two rounds. 
and then played well yesterday and I just thought that you know this 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 could be it you know this this really could be it this is the time um and yeah it, it just it, it for whatever reason and because of my success here before it just felt like this this was the this was the time so Matt Fitzpatrick, your 2022 U.S. Open champion. Will Zalatoris, another runner-up finish in a major. That is the third runner-up finish since 2021. His runner-up finish at the Masters, also losing in the playoff at the PGA over in Southern Hills in Tulsa earlier this year. Here is Will Zalatoris with his opening comments to the media after finishing tied for second. I battled like crazy. You obviously, said about every um, every U.S. Open round you play, but considering where I drove it today, um, the fact I was even under par was obviously pretty nice. Um, you know, I, I thought I made a lot of nice putts. Uh, you know, just to keep myself in it, um, stealing one on nine, saving par on thirteen. Um, you know, I, I I really felt great with a putter all week, and you know, I had a great putt on eighteen. It just happened to hang out there and. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was fun, man. It was, uh, you know, Matt's shot on 18 is going to be shown probably for the rest of U S open history. Cause that I walked by it and I, I thought that going for it was going to be ballsy, but the fact that he pulled it off and even had a birdie look was just incredible. So hats off to him. I mean, he played great all week, obviously, and uh, he was solid all around today. It did come down to the final hole, and with Matt Fitzpatrick in a fairway bunker, he knocked it on the green from there, missed his birdie putt, but was able to tap in for par. So that set up Will Zalatoris with a birdie putt. If he makes it, there's a playoff. So did Will actually think he made the putt when it left the putter head? I did. With about six feet to go, I thought I had it. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I was just checking my phone earlier, and a bunch of people were saying that Zinger said that everyone had missed that putt high. Um, I guess I was the closest all day, which I was like, well, thanks for the consolation prize. Obviously, for Zalatoris, it would have been nice to pick up his first major win. Matt Fitzpatrick picks it up. Also, Will Zalatoris would have won the $3.150 million first place prize. Instead, that goes to Matt Fitzpatrick. Not a bad consolation, though. $1,557,687 for Will Zalatoris with the tie for second with Scotty Scheffler. Coming up in this edition of From the Short Grass, I travel up to Mountain Home, Arkansas to talk to Lang Zimmerman, who helped build Big Creek Golf and Country Club, one of the best golf courses in the state of Arkansas, and you can play it. want to thank Blair and Matthew Allen. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels, one of our great sponsors of From the Short Grass. Find them on the web, bphotels.com. We're back with more From the Short Grass after this. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. The economy is changing slowly but surely. The market is slowing down in a gradual slide. Not an emergency yet, the sky is not falling, but a change is coming. When times are good, auctions make buyers compete to buy at the highest market value. When the economy gets tough, auctions force buyers to make a purchase decision. Either way, auctions get the highest return for a seller and a strong deal for a buyer. With an experienced auction company, it's a simple process. Go to blackmanauctions.com for more information. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. 
With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square District of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. Strength is measured not by the number of accounts. Strength is placing value on relationships. It's having the vision and the guts to invest in growth. It's the commitment to responsibly manage your money. At Stevens, we believe that our strengths build success, not only for us, but for our clients. Stevens, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome back to From the Shortgrass. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Find them on the web at blackmanauctions.com. Now on the tee, Lang Zimmerman with Big Creek Golf and Country Club. Lang Zimmerman, thanks for joining me on From the Shortgrass up here at Big Creek Golf Course and Mountain Home. And first of all, before we get into how Big Creek came about, you personally, when did you start playing golf? My dad was in the Air Force, and uh, we moved to uh, overseas in 1973. We moved to Taiwan for six months, then we moved to the Philippines, which was Clark Air Force Base. At the time, I think it was the second largest Air Force Base in the world. Uh, But it was a huge base, and they had all these young airmen from all over the country, and they were there without family, and they had sport league after sport league. I played basketball, I played football, I played baseball. Well, they had an on-base golf course. And I was introduced to golf. I couldn't get enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could get my dad could drop me off at seven and pick me up at five thirty, and I played golf morning. I had whatever I could eat, and then I went out and played more golf. And so that's how I started playing golf. Wow. Yeah. So for three years, I I played from age ten to thirteen, and I moved back. My dad moved to Ohio, which was Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. And as a freshman, I, I lettered on the golf team, which is, was a pretty big high school in, in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, but then we moved to Little Rock, and uh, I went to North Little Rock Northeast High School, and I ended up played soccer as well. And I ended up playing soccer in high school, and I sort of dropped golf uh, mm-hmm. through the rest of high school, and I didn't really pick it back up until after college. So therefore, I'm, I was never that good. I, I never, I didn't have, I developed some bad habits that uh, made it hard for me to overcome, even with good instruction. And I didn't have that long time connection. But I've always loved the game, and when I was throughout college, I I got back into it. So you were kind of self-taught. Yeah, in the Philippines. Of, there was a pro there, and he okay. was helpful. But I was I was a kid, and you know I. Uh, I just I went out and hit balls and played and and loved it. Yeah, just loved the game, and I still love the game. When I'm not playing well, I don't love the game. It frustrates me, and there's some days I think, why am I out here? I could be doing something more fun than this. But right. when I'm playing well, there's nothing like it. I'd love to keep playing golf. After college, you picked back up the game of golf, but did you move here to Mountain Home? So after after college, um, I have a computer engineering degree, and uh, we were in high demand from the aerospace industry back, and this was uh, graduated in 85, and uh, I was hired by General Dynamics uh, out of Fort Worth, Texas, and I went to work on the fire control computers that ran the weapon systems on the F-16 fighter plane that oh, they wow. built in Fort Worth. So. I left Arkansas and never thought I would be back. You know, I, I didn't grow up here. I, I grew, I came here after, with two years left in high school. So I never thought I would be a lifelong Arkansan, but uh, 
married a girl, and she was from this area, and uh, her family had a company that uh, they had some use for some computer kind of stuff. None of the F-16 kind of level stuff, right. but more commercial stuff in the telecom industry. So uh, we moved back, and we moved here to Mountain Home where her family is, and uh, I started playing golf again a lot. And, you know, when you're 23, 24, 25, no kids, and you can go to the golf course every day after work. Right. And you can play a lot of golf when you don't have any kids. And, man, I played a lot of golf. So. And then kids happen. Then kids happen. <laughs> and Yeah. The, the one good thing, my, my both my kids were four-year lettermen in high school here at Mountain Home. It, um, and my daughter, after high school was over, it was sort of, I'm done with it. You know, I think she did it a lot because I encouraged her. But my son was a good player. He uh, he was a plus handicap player. Uh, Four-year letterman, made All-State his last year, um, and he's still a, pretty much a scratch player. He's a member over at Fayetteville Country Club. and uh, That's one player. thing I've noticed uh, all of the times that I've come up here is the fact that Mountain Homes had good golf teams, and a lot of it can be traced back to Big Creek Golf and Country Club, right? I, I would agree with that, and when I uh, was involved in, in building the place, I wanted it to be a place that offered enough challenge and enough uh high level of uh, difficulties so when our high school kids went to play in at state they go to state tournament you know they'd go to Fayetteville Country Club or they'd go to wherever they went but if they didn't practice on a course and play regularly on a course with bunkers and difficult length and uh, the kind of things you need to compete at that level you know they didn't do well so we had a couple of back-to-back uh, boys state championships, and our, our girls' team in the last three years have been, uh, I think, runner-up a couple times and just been right there. So how did Big Creek come about? How did you get involved in building this place? It, it's a funny one-off kind of story like some clubs do. You know, some people do this for a living and have multiple clubs. This is a one-shot. Uh, I was living here. This would have been in the late 90s as we talked about the Tiger Boom era of golf mm-hmm. course construction. In fact, uh, I hit the first ball off number one in April of 2000. I mean, that's, that's the year that's we opened. Right, but yeah. about 97, there was an out-of-state developer from uh, the Tulsa area that was interested in coming over here and putting in a golf course, but he was using it more as an amenity for assisted living. He was more of an assisted living kind of guy. And there's this great big tract of land that we're sitting on right now on the west side of town. And he, he told everybody he had control of it. And that's and he had these plans for a golf course. And, man, I was sold. I, mean, I, I was ready for a really good golf course here. I was just thrilled to death. Well, it turns out he did not have an option on the land. He was talking big, and he didn't have it. And uh, he sort of floundered and fell through, and I was so disappointed. I mean, you, you know, you're a 25, 26-year-old guy, whatever whatever I was back then. I'd have to do the math. But uh, I picked it up as a, as a personal project uh, and, and went with it. And I contacted the guy that owned the bulk of this land. And uh, it's a man, he's deceased now, named Ra- uh, Raymond Sheeks uh, from Long Beach, California. But it turns out he was a Cotter High School graduate in 1954. Just right down the road. Just right. You can almost see it if you stand up on yeah. your tiptoes. And uh, <laughs> uh, he always had a soft spot for Cotter and always thought he would retire back to Arkansas. But he had moved to California after college, and he was an engineering type like I am. And uh, he ended up raising seven kids and all their grandkids in in California, and he was never going to move back here. But uh, I told him what we were trying to do, and we're trying to do it not, you know, we're not in this to make a ton of money. We're not in it to let's build one, then we'll build one over there, and then we'll be. Sure. It was to help Mountain Home have a, a good golf course for 
not only our own enjoyment, but the ability to bring people to the area for uh, economic development reasons, retirement reasons. At the time, most of the people looking to retire in Arkansas that were interested in golf were going to either Hot Springs Village or Bella Vista. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of towns that have one golf course, but, you know, those places have, you know, Hot Springs is so blessed. Multiple. Oh, it's so, yeah. you know, it's a great place. Uh, so we wanted to be in the mix for that, and so we did it. Uh, I, I, I did a stock offering, a private placement stock offering through the Rose Law Firm. Got 42 local people, including Mr. Sheeks and another landowner, that they contributed their land without making us pay for it. Cash-free. We didn't have to pay them. They got stock in the LLC in return. The rest of the cash we used to build the golf course, you know, didn't have any debt on it at all. We got Tom Clark uh, out of Alt-Clark Associates, who's done all the Hot Springs Village courses, uh, was our architect. What went through the decision to pick the types of grasses you were going to use? Were you always sold on zoysia fairways? So Tom... Clark, the architect, again, he's from the Washington, D.C. area, and he encouraged us, pushed us to put in uh, bent grass fairways. Fairways. And it wouldn't last. We we pushed back in. I've played courses uh, with fescue fairways. Um, There's one up in the St. Louis area called Boone Valley. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spectacular golf course. And it's it's, uh, bent grass fairways. It's like you're hitting off greens when you're out in the fairway but we didn't think it would we were on the borderline for the transition zone and and we didn't do that so we put in the zoysia uh, and we originally had a a mix of the rust were fescue and bluegrass but we don't have irrigation in our roughs to a, a large extent and that stuff can get clumpy and it needs regular rainfall, which, you know, we mm-hmm. we can have good rainfall. We can have way too much. We can have way too little. And that didn't work. So we had to come back in and, and sprig uh, Bermuda in later in the rough. So. Gotcha. But the L93 bent grass, we still have it and still love it. It's it's so true. Uh, no graininess. Um, a lot of courses in Arkansas have converted to hybrid uh, Tiff Eagle or Champion Bermuda mm-hmm. or, or what have you. And I'm not an expert on those, but... Uh, and that's some good stuff. But uh, the fact up here, though, Lang, is the fact that the wind blows a lot, so you're able to keep that bent grass alive, right? We, we are. We, this is an elevated plateau here in the mountains, and um, we only have a couple low-lying uh, spots, like on 11 Green. We have one fan back there to, to move mm-hmm. air, where some courses in Arkansas have multiple fans on multiple spots on the golf course. But uh uh, we're sort of on an exposed area. It, part of this was an old cattle ranch, and there was not a lot of trees. And then there's some parts of the course that do go through some tree areas. But you're right. We we are able to keep the, the bent grass fairly cool. We do have to syringe it here and there, you know, August time frame. What I like about this place is the, the Zoysia Fairway is number one because you're not going to get a bad lie in the middle of the fairway. Right. The fact that it is relatively open and you can see a lot of other holes while you're playing the hole you're on. It's not a tree line to where you've got basically like walls down a fairway and you've got to try and hit it there. That's what I like about this place. You get on some of the ridges and you can see almost over the whole property. For those that have not heard about Big Creek, it's part of the Arkansas Golf Golf Trail. And it's in a place that, okay, yes, from central Arkansas it can be tough to get to, but it's a pretty drive to get here. It is. As long as you're not in a hurry at certain times, because you can sometimes <laughs> get behind someone that's not going as fast as you'd like True. them to. But it is beautiful, and there's multiple ways to come here. You can come through Mountain View, or you can come through Marshall and Leslie and Yeovil and cross the bridge and see the Buffalo National River. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, 
uh, probably a lot of people don't know this, but I, I made an application to the USGA for consideration for one of their national amateur events about 10 years ago uh, to like to have the national, uh, the senior amateur women's championships. So uh, you have to put together a package of, you know, what else is there to do in that area and right. and how close are the airports? And that, that hurts us a little bit. As you know, you drove up from Little Rock, probably took you two hours and 45 minutes, mm-hmm. what it usually takes Just about. Me. Uh, so we're uh, pretty much equidistant between uh, Little Rock, Springfield to the north, northwest Arkansas to the west, and then Memphis. It takes me three hours, 15 to get to Memphis. It takes 2.45 to get to Fayetteville Airport, 2.45 to Little Rock, and about 2 to Springfield. So we got a lot of options, but they're sort of hard to get to sometimes. Right. So, uh, but once you get here. Once you get here, that's the great thing about Mountain Home. We got a lot of people that move here, and they want to pull the drawbridge up behind them, and the old uh, definition of a uh, conservationist is someone who builds a house in the woods but doesn't want anybody else to. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a lot of those people here. They, they, <laughs> they, don't, they don't care if anybody else comes. Right. You mentioned the fact that you've put in um, a request to the United States Golf Association to maybe host one of their national tournaments. You do host a lot of their qualifiers. Mm-hmm. The, the, the amateur qualifier has been here a couple of years. The senior am qualifier has been here. The mid-am qualifier has been here. And this year, you are hosting the Arkansas State Golf Association Junior Am and the USGA Junior Am Qualifier. Why do you like to host those events? I love amateur golf. Just love it. And I love these qualifiers because uh, you, you get all kinds there. You've got the the young up-and-comers, and then you've got some grizzled veterans like uh, not you but me. Uh, I don't. Although I don't, I'm not good enough playing them. But I love the the people that play amateur golf because they love the game, mm-hmm. and then junior golf in particular. And I had two kids that played high school golf, and uh, it's always been important to me to have juniors have access to to a golf course. And we have a, a junior membership here. If you're under 18 years old, uh, it only costs you 200 bucks all year. Wow. Play, play all you want. We want kids to play golf, and it's part of the mission of any golf course owner. I think is to encourage junior golf because that's the golfers of grow the game yeah you got to have them and if they can't access it due to cost or whatever you know they won't do it they'll go do something else so we make it where money's not really a an an obstacle so the u.s uh junior am qualifier um it's boys and girls uh they told me that the girls alternates between oklahoma and arkansas every other year which i did not know but this year is arkansas's years to host them so we'll have both the boys and the girls here and it's the last week of june and I think the Friday of the USGA qualifiers, Friday, July 1st, and the rain date's July 2nd. I really hope it's that rain. Yeah, no. Because uh, we need that, – that's a big uh, tourist weekend for us. And, yeah. Uh, the uh, the area hotels are not real thrilled about the timing of that because that's their busiest week of the year. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, you're right here in the middle of the lakes too. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got Norfolk Lake to the to the east. You've got Bull Shows Lake to the north. The trout fishing around here is so good as well. And so, I guess, do you get guys that come and they might go trout fish in the morning and then they'll come play golf in the afternoon? All the time. All the time. We've got uh, Gaston's Resorts here. Uh, we've got several river resorts here, Stetson's, um, uh, and then all the lake resorts. And there's a lot of guys that will make combo trips. They'll be here for four days, and they'll do fish, golf, fish, golf. And uh, uh, the Gaston's Resort has a, a big red van that says Gaston's, and you'll see it here in the parking lot quite a bit. They'll bring six, eight, 12 guys over to play wow. golf while they're here. So, yeah. Another event that you've hosted before is the Governor's Cup. 
between uh, yeah. Arkansas and the state of Mississippi, the uh, the amateurs play in it. And um, I know that there was some concern when it was announced that it would be here, that it would be too far for the Mississippi players to travel to. They just got in an airplane and <laughs> flew in private, most of them, from what I understand, if I remember That's correctly. That's the way to do it, yeah. So, I mean, you could do that. I mean, the Baxter Regional's right here close by. And Gaston's has a landing strip, too. That's right. Yeah. Um, what do you see in the future for Big Creek? So, uh, Big Creek, we're always, we've always got projects going. Um, this year, uh, we had some, uh, or over the last winter, we had some trees to the left of number one that were getting distressed, weren't doing well, and starting to drop limbs, and we decided to just take several of those out, and so we put in a brand new, very strategic bunker on the left of number one, so, uh, and uh, the way we've done bunkers, a lot of times if the ball rolls through them and goes all the way to the lip, you don't really have a shot going forward. You're looking at a sideways play to get back in play, so... Uh, Toughening up the course in, in areas, lengthening the course in areas. On number 10, we built a new uh, back tee box because when the U.S. Am boys were here, there's a young man named Mason Overstreet. That yeah, what did he hit in the 10? He, he, driver he, wedge? He hit driver five iron. Even off the new tee, which is over 600 yards, he's hitting driver five iron, and he birdied it both days. Well, he just kills the ball. Yeah, and he hit it. In fact, he hit it over 10 green into the back bunker and still made birdie. Wow. So we changed out this green surround grass. Some of the zoysia was not handling some of the, the walking pressure very well, or if the mowers turned to one spot, it, it would. Uh, so we've we've replaced a lot of the greens with Tahoma uh, uh, Bermuda sod. We've always got we're doing drainage uh, things to uh, get more water off the course more quickly. We we removed a lot of trees around the Levin Green, which is sort of our low spot on the course, uh, to help with wind circulation. That's one place we have the fan, and also to be able to get sun on the green. Um, you, you want sun on the grass to make it grow, and if it doesn't get sun on it till afternoon, and then it gets shaded again, it just doesn't thrive. So uh, we're always looking at things like that to try and improve. And then Brent's experiment. Brent, my superintendent, Brent Edens, is experimenting with some different greens grasses on our chipping green. And he's building a Himalayas putting green out oh, really? in the far end of the uh, driving range, if you look. you'll see. He's been here a while. He's been here for 20 years, which is unusual. He was originally from Tennessee, came here uh, at the time when we first started. You know, we weren't experts on running a, a golf course. We hired a management company, and they hired him. And uh, then we got rid of the management company and took it over ourselves as we're like uh, low handicap amateurs running yeah, we the can place. Do this. <laughs> we think we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been doing it that way, and he stayed here ever since. He's ended up. Uh, he married a local girl. He started a lawn care business on the side, and uh, he's he's dug in, and we love him to death. The members love him. He's a hardworking, uh, genuine. So he guy. just loves grass. He, he he loves everything to do with grass. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've come to a partnership with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to reestablish quail habitat on the native areas of the golf course. This used to be a huge quail hunting area, and uh, two years ago I approach them about a partnership and they have something called acres for wildlife that they will help you go into these areas and kill out weeds and stuff that shouldn't be there and then they will give you these wildflower seeds that attract quail you'll see some signs on the golf course when you get out there of quail habitat restoration we just seeded a lot of them i think 10 days ago so i don't think anything's coming up but the big area between uh 15, 16, and 17, that big area. Mm -hmm. uh, these little areas here between 14 and 10, 
uh, they're going to be all wildflower f- fields. Lang, best golf course you've ever played besides Big Creek? Uh, Carnoustie. Uh, we made a, a trip to Scotland uh, back in 2007, some of the guys in the club here, and um, we got to play Carnoustie on a day where it wasn't very windy. And, you know, those courses, oh, yeah. they can be sort of defenseless right. when there's no wind. And, uh, gosh, that was a hard golf course. So many bunkers just everywhere. And uh, I well, I did play St. Andrews, the old course, and, and it was the only course I broke 80 on. I, I shot 79 at the old course, and I shot 80-something at Carnoustie. But All right, last question for you. Yep. You can have a fantasy foursome, living or deceased. Who is in your fantasy foursome? Fantasy foursome. Oh, I will have to play with uh, my son, Richard. Uh, love playing with him. I would, um, uh, gosh, uh, you you think about the professional levels of golfers, and uh, I think about people I've always played with. I have a friend here named Dr. Nasari, dentist. We played a lot of years. He's gotten older now. We don't play that much together, so I'd pick him. And then uh, I think out of the pros, uh, I just always had a great admiration for Jack Nicklaus. With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square district of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. You all know by now I'm not a good golfer, but my son loves the game and he and I have been playing more. I've got my score down to, I've quit playing a scramble on every hole. I'm using the bunker rake much less than I used to, and a lot of the time I hit my drives past the women's tee box. All of my success in golf can directly be tied to me listening to From the Short Grass. Without it, I would not be the golfer I am today. Trey, you owe me 20 bucks for that. Trey knows golf, I know auctions. Come see us at BlackmanAuctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. That will do it for this edition of From the Shortgrass. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, when you find your ball mark on the green, fix it and a couple of more. And I hope to see you sometime very soon from the Shortgrass. You've been listening to From the Shortgrass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.